0: views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Alex and Ryan for another episode during the World Cup as the US and England advance to the round of 16. The US with an emphatic 1-0 victory over Iran. Not going to pronounce it the other way. And England, of course, thrashing Wales who go out with a bit of a whimper. Good news all around for the vast majority of our listenership out there. And we're all very excited here at the ATP. On this episode, we're going to get into a bunch of stuff. We're going to talk about Everton's 5-1 win over Western Sydney Wanderers. We're going to talk about Everton players on duty in the World Cup. We're going to talk about a couple revelations on the injury front. And then we're going to get into our midseason assessment of Everton Football Club. We're going to go over some of the numbers from our previous look at Everton in the offseason, our squad assessment. If you haven't already listened to that episode, Definitely worth going back and checking it out. I think it provides more in-depth and helpful context for the discussion we'll have later this episode. Before we get into all of that, just a reminder that if you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Follow us on all the socials. Link in the description and join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. Without further ado, gentlemen, let's just get right into it. and Let's start with Everton, conclude their trip to Australia with a 5-1 thrashing of a local side. Um perhaps giving blues all over the world a little bit of optimism at nice at, le- at the
0: very least nice to win one every now and then i'm here to squash that entirely um <laughs> no <laughs> no not intentionally uh, <laughs> western sydney wanders um yes we won five to one i i look to be perfectly honest i didn't think it was a very good performance myself but it, there were some positives a lot of negatives i think too uh we saw a return to the 4 And since we basically are absent uh, midfielders, Dwight McNeil decided to play the left attacking central mid position with Price sitting and DeCorey next to him, who was back even though it looked like he got a knee knock in the first match. So that was good to see him back. Uh, The style of play, guys. um, Still issues with building out of the back, but we at least times tried to play very fast. And I did see some unique build-out sequences, stuff that I hadn't really seen too much before, like a winger dropping, a fullback playing wider, winger receiving it back to the center mid, pushing it up to the fullback. Now, granted, vinagre was playing left back, so maybe that allowed us to have a little more balance, a little more attacking. Uh saw lots of big switches too, which we have seen that a little bit. And there did seem to be some intent. So it did look like they were focusing and practicing at least on some of the transition issues, which we've seen. Um, and it was good to score five goals, but I I still Guys, I still saw a lot of the same issues. I mean, Patterson caught out a couple times. His passing is just, gives it away too much sometimes. Um, We've mentioned Anthony Gordon getting his head down a lot, running with the ball. Saw a little bit of that. DeCorey pushing too high at right center mid, leaving Price and others kind of exposed. Uh, Their first goal, I think, was a byproduct of that. And lots of direct passes to the moped again, You know, where he was kind of putting his back to goal, 50 yards from goal is not the best use of him. A lot of our chances were created out of defensive pressure. um, But again, the pressing was still a little inconsistent. And unfortunately guys, I would, I would love to tell you that the midfield shape was fixed. Um, It was not. Um, Everyone said price was so good. I don't think he was at all. Um, But to his credit, I mean, he, he wasn't even supposed to be on the plane. Um, And you do see glimpses from him. Like you see that he can pass it. You see his distribution is good. I think some people think he's not really a six, but he looked comfortable at least when we were on the ball, Uh, defensively still some issues there, but, and look, their goalkeeper had not the best match. We'll just (laughs) say that. And you guys saw the goals, right? I mean, we scored five goals. So some of that was, in. I mean, look, Gordon took a couple, I mean, his last goal I thought was outstanding, right? I mean, we saw that, that was good. Uh, Neil Melpe was was fantastic, by the way. That's the best I've seen him play, um, even if he was being asked to do some different things. And Decore was like this playmaker suddenly. And, and Tarkin Holgate really passed the ball well. And it was good to see Mason Holgate actually completing those passes rather than putting them into the fifth row. And, and Patterson actually completed a cross in the 18 that the moped had at home. So not all bad um and it's really tough to gauge a lot when you're playing a team that's not not great although they score had a great goal and came close to scoring a couple more hit the bar um but i guess you'd rather win than not and i don't know how much you can really make from a team that's not even close to your first team but i would say the best thing i saw out of it was i did see some intent some new sequences some stuff that maybe will help when the rest of the squad is put put back in but um We'll talk about some injuries in a second, but most of the squad is there together, and I guess it's that's a good thing to some extent because we don't have that many playing in the World Cup, but we do have a couple, and they have been in there, and it's been interesting to watch some of the World Cup. We've had some good performances, I think, from some Everton players.
2: Yeah, yeah. First up, we had Onana, who went 60 minutes uh, starting for Belgium in a 2-0 loss to Morocco. Um, he was good. He played, you know, he kind of sat back a bit next to Witzel. Kept it simple. Uh, they were nil-nil when he went off the pitch. Uh, he's out for the final match due to yellows. And then they conceded two goals on the break. I think TL Mons came in for him. So um, overall, you know, a good outing for him. Unfortunately, he came off, uh, but probably good for Everton fans.
1: Yeah, just seeing Onana out there performing. And yeah, they completely fell apart after he left. Who knows what Roberto Martinez was thinking with that one. And the yellow card suspension, unfortunate for him. Belgium still kind of have a little bit of work to do to get into the next round. So potential big collapse for a team um, that, you know, was rated quite highly coming in and people thought they would maybe make easy work of that group. Jordan Pickford ever heard of him went 90 plus minutes, of course, in the draw to the United States Um, did fine. It didn't have a ton to do. He had the one obviously near save on Pulisic Pulisic's shot, but, Other than that, that was a pretty cagey affair. And then, of course, today he played the full 90 against Wales. They thrashed thrashed him. He only had one save and a 94% pass accuracy. So Jordan doing what Jordan does in tournaments, England comfortably through to the next round.
2: Yep. And we also had Ghana. He went 90 plus in a 3-1 Senegal win versus Qatar. Um, He also went a full 90 in match versus Ecuador. Uh, Senegal qualified for the round of 16 in this match and will play England. Unfortunately, though, Ghana picked up a second yellow and he will serve a suspension for the match, just like Onana. Um, in the Ecuador match, he had two key passes, four aerials, three for three in tackles. So a good all around classic Ghana performance.
0: Are we upset that he's missing the match as an Everton
2: fan? <laughs> nope. Ghana and Onana both mitch- missing the match is fantastic for us all.
1: Sad for both of them, but yeah, not going to complain. We've got enough injuries on our plate to deal with. The last thing we need is a couple of uh, guys' starters to pick up an injury that could be long-term. What As, a segue. Ah, yeah. Another
0: just, one. Look, We're just segueing all over the place. you got to do stop it. calling out. I know. It. I know. <laughs> because
2: God. I could tell in his face he didn't know he was doing it, so I just had to make sure. Pat him on the back.
1: I'm a pro man I, I I teed that one right up, and of course, the injury that we speak of is none other than James Garner, who's expected now to be out, according to Everton for around two months with a back injury. rough for the kid, very unfortunate, and of course, we spoke last episode about Tom Davies and Yeri Mina, both likely to return to training in December. two months for Garner we've basically then <laughs> we need gone on on a back at all costs um just with those injuries, that leaves us very, very thin in midfield going to be a concern for Frank after, you know, we're now less than a month away until Everton return on boxing day, um, to Premier league fixtures and really not a lot of options. That's why you see guys like price, at least getting minutes on, uh, you know, bona fide marketing tour and some off you know, uh, minutes during the break. But if, if price ends up being on the bench and getting meaningful minutes for us, I mean, that, that does not bode well, given how poor our midfield has been and our team has been, which we'll talk about very shortly. Uh, Scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of depth doesn't uh, look too bright for us going forward.
0: We've got some numbers in midfield. I mean, as long as a couple of these guys come back, but yeah, I mean, look, Ghana, Onana, lesser extent, but Ghana in particular, if he's out, we're in trouble. So uh, the good and bad, I suppose, is Senegal's pretty good, but I don't really see them getting too much farther, uh, especially without Ghana playing. That's a big hit to them. And boy, Belgium looks off it. So. Onana did help them, Uh, surprised that he started, but I mean, Martinez needs athletes in there somehow. I don't understand his reluctance to play the talents out wide, so uh, I'm not so sure we see them. I mean, I guess they might not even really make it. I mean, they've got Croatia tomorrow. No, on Thursday, that's going to be a tough match. They're at three points. Morocco's got Belgium, or Morocco's got Canada. I mean, they might not go through. I mean, they need a result against Croatia and Croatia looks awfully good right now. So we'll see. We did have another announcement concerning Everton, and that is the FA Cup draw happened in the third round. And of course, we got a really easy assignment. We have to go to Old Trafford. So um, I don't know how you guys feel about that one. I mean, do we do we care a little bit? I mean, l- look, I would love to be in a position. Like, if you're a mid-table position, I'm like, go for the Cups, right? Of course. I mean, the Cups are... Great. I love the FA Cup. But ultimately, when I think right now our primary objective has got to be to stay up, I don't think we have a good enough side to really make a legitimate run. It's not like we won't give it a go. Or maybe this just lends itself to playing defensive-minded with certain personnel. I, I don't know. Do you guys care?
2: No, I mean, you know, it's it's nice to see us go as far as we can in a tournament. So, like, it's not fun to see us draw United away already. But at the same time, as you said, it's it's not like we're going to make a deep run and we just can't really... Afford to deal with it, and and James pointed it out before the show even started. But you know that the season is not getting extended, and we're still you know scrunching all these games in after the World Cup, so that has a big effect as to you know what our workload is going to be, plus all the injuries we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, I mean normally I'm. Ha- it's nice to get at least one kind of easy match thrown your way in the first round that we play in the FA Cup. You kind of throttle a lower division team, knock them out. Although you know we make things typically very difficult for ourselves again in those sorts of matches this just to me i mean look by no means you know the game has to be played we could pull out something but it doesn't feel like this uh sets us up very well for for a deep run in the cup to say the least and look the earlier we we're out of it we're already out of the Carabao cup if we're out of the FA cup we have purely the season to focus on staying up staying in the league and i think that really needs to be our sole focus. So the sooner that that happens, the better as unfortunate. And as much as I hate saying it, hate saying that, hate it, but it's just kind of the the fact of the matter. And we have to be pragmatic in times like these. Um, so, you know, maybe we go to old Trafford and shock them. Who knows what sort of team they'll be putting out too. I mean, it's not like they're, they're not going to necessarily play a full strength squad, but they also probably don't need to. Um, but that'll happen in January. We'll see where the cards fall at that point. Hoping we can pull off a bit of an upset, but We shall see. We're going to take a quick break now with a word from our sponsors, and we'll come right back for our mid-season assessment. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and we are ready to get into some of the numbers, as everyone knows on the American Toffee Podcast. We love the numbers. And as I said at the top of the episode, we did our team assessment in the offseason. We're doing something very similar. We're going to look at the numbers from last year against the performance numbers so far this season. I think it's easy to just start at a very high level, and look at, are we any better based on the limited evidence of this year than we were last year? And uh, Ryan, I know your take is very clearly spelled out in our notes, but why don't you uh, let all the people at home know what you
0: think? Well, yeah, look, we're going to try and do this team assessment and, and we're going to try and do it in three or probably three parts, really. And this first part is kind of like, how is Everton done? How's Frank done? I mean, a little bit of a referendum on him based on some of the recommendations that we had in the summer. But yeah, the best way to look at it is just overall. I mean, last year we were 16th, 39 points, 1.03 points per match. Goal differential of negative that 23, that was also 16th. The expected goal differential was negative 11.7. That's that's only 13th, and the Y-Scout expected points is 48. That would have put us on 12th. So the underlying performance was probably a little bit better than than the actual point total, and that does happen for various reasons. This year we're 17th. We've got 14 points, that's 0.93 points per match. Goal differential is -6, 16th, just like last year. Expected goal differential is worse, -10, 19th, second to last. Why Scout expected points puts us dead last at 12.9. So, objectively that looks worse, but they're just numbers and there's always context around them. So, I mean, do you guys think we're worse? I don't know if we're in worse shape, but we'll get to that in a second. I mean, I kind of think we're, I feel like we're a little bit worse because I feel like we should be better, but there's a lot to that.
1: Well, we started off so hot last year and then it sort of just started to go get worse and worse. Alarming that our expected goal differentials already almost as bad as last year. And we've played, you know, about half a season. We've played 15 games so far, right? So 15 games this year, seven of those. So slightly less than half have been against bottom half teams, but we've also played four of the current top six. So kind of both extremes playing some quote unquote, worst sides. And we have played a good portion of the very good sides. Um, and, you know, done as we have against them, not very well. Um, but I think the question is like, okay, we're not doing as well. Why is that? Is that Frank's fault? Is this, you know, did we just not improve in the right areas? Did everyone else improve around us? I think it's important to, to revisit very quickly the team assessment from last year and kind of the, the suggestions that we had
0: in that yeah. episode. Or is it something else? You know what I mean? I mean, yes, we're going to get into the team assessment, but I, I know we had talked at one point. It seems like no one in England ever pays attention to like strength of schedule and your opponents. So and we do that all the time here. You know, it's like big deal. You whooped up. It, it's like when we whipped palace, like that was a great win for us. But that team without Chick DeCore is just, I mean, it's a massive drop-off for them. It'd be like us without Ghana. And and look, we've played a bunch of games against kind of the bottom half, and we've played a couple of the top six. But do you guys see anything in the schedule that make you feel, oh, we're okay? I mean, I, I don't really. Do you? In the upcoming schedule? No, and what we've played, you know what I mean? Like, no, here, look I, at our performance, is there a reason why we're that bad? I mean, I, I don't, I, don't I mean, I don't know if it. you really look at it, right? Like what the
2: first, the first month of the season, we really didn't change any of the pieces in midfield or attack, at least pieces that, you know, we felt were going to make a big impact. We didn't have DCL. I mean, we changed out the center backs, but what is that? Right. That's, I mean, clearly they've, they've kept us in it in regards to, you know, the expected, you know, the expected, uh, goals, but our expected goal differential, but you know, either way, it's uh, it's it's tough, and it's 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 such a small
0: sample size. Yeah, that that's really true. So let's go out and crack into the team assessment here just for a second. So what we said at the end of the summer is, I think we had three big solutions for improvements going forward, and they had different facets. So um, without doing a reference to a Rodney Dangerfield movie and having one question with twenty three parts. Was it 23 parts? Is that what it is? Back to school? You guys know what I'm talking about? No. Nope. No. I think it was 23 parts. Really? Showing your age, right? Dylan, Ryan. we need you. The triple Lindy? Anyway. Okay. Sorry, I'm dating myself now. Clearly. Um, all right. So the summary, what we said is we thought the biggest issues were really the inability to keep the ball and pass the ball, particularly under pressure. Progressive ball up the piss- pitch via passes is, is also key, but we thought a lot of that would solve some of the defensive issues we saw last year. So, So look. Our first solution was just play the better players. And I think our suggestion was Awobi. always his underlying data, and and, and we always seem to be better on the pitch when he played. We even suggested playing Delhi just because we needed someone to be creative. And again, this is our suggestion before recruitment. So that's important to note. Um, we thought DCL would make a difference maker if he got back at center forward, just like Mina would if he could come back. We were hoping to see some improvements from Mikalenko. And what we really didn't want to see is misuse of players like we saw Benitez do right and left. So how do we think Frank's really done in that regard against that solution of play the better players?
1: Well, he's certainly... Done wonders. I mean, he's he's revived Alex Awobi's career, as we all know. We've seen the the headlines. He's completely reinvented him as a player, but still misusing him a little bit, as we've talked about. I mean, I, I think for the most part, he's done a good job of like naming his best eleven. Um, we haven't seen a lot of guys being necessarily um, kind of cast out that we think should be playing regularly. We've had our fair share of injury problems, um, especially in the back. You know, people. I think it's it, it's the, the very recent past, but people forget that. We didn't like Connor Cody and James Tarkowski were have been getting rave reviews. They were not Frank's first choice center half pairing to start the season. And we've had to kind of rely on them out of pure necessity. So I think when Frank, I think, I think Frank has a pretty good grasp of what, you know, who his best players are and, and when to play them. It's the positioning and maybe use of those players that, that for me, I think leaves a little bit wanting.
2: Yeah, no, it's that's exactly uh that's exactly the point I was gonna make. It's you know, and also too, and to your point specifically about the center back pairing, right? I think him choosing the lineup so far in fifteen games, a lot of that is simply due to who's been available and who's been injured. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, maybe we can say yes, like he started the right players and we really just We do think, you know, I think we have all agreed in previous episodes, like he's misused them and he can't really figure out, you know, the midfield roles for each of these players. Um, But we'll see like over the, the course of the season, once we continue, you know, have players continuously healthy, you know, what we really think. I think when we when we jump back onto this over the summer.
0: Yeah. So a little bit later, we're going to get into kind of what can he do with what he's got now. And then we'll talk about recruitment and stuff, but let's talk about the tactics specific to what we suggested in the team assessment. And And the number one was how do we deal with pressure better and cut out the long passes, which was very much a byproduct of, of, of the pressure. At least that's what I thought. And in my first crack at this, I figured let's look at total pass attempts first. Cause you need to kind of have the, have the baseline a little bit because, you know, that matters, you know, and somewhat that's stylistic and there's context behind that. So last year, total pass attempts were 18th and 19th in pass completion. You know, it was just hoofball city as we recall. So this year we're 17th, but I mean there's like 50 more passes per 90. So isn't that interesting? We only jump up one spot, even though we've got 50 more passes. That says a little bit about the league. Like a couple of the hoofball merchants are out now. Um, and our pass completion percentage is almost 77%. That's 14th. So it, that's an improvement, um, but but still, that's not re- you know that's just the baseline. So what about the long ball forced by pressure that killed us all year? Is it there? So took a little bit of a statistical dip here, and we looked at long passes per ninety. Long pass being defined by an attempted pass over thirty yards. So so last year we had the eighth fewest, but again we had so few passes. You know it's all relative. Our percentage completion was 40, 44.9, which is nineteenth, and that's why we're like. Yeah, I mean we can't progress the ball or whatever. We're 16th in deep completions per 90. But what I thought was an interesting stat is looking at the percentage of passes that we made that were long. And so 18.6 percent of all our passes last year were long, and that was the fourth most in the league. But you could point to pressure and PPDA is a Scouts measure and calculation of high pressure, and we had the highest against us. So people were pressing us more up high than any other team. Now this year, it's A little bit of the same, but a little bit different for different reasons. And this is one that I can't quite figure out. And so we've, again, we have the second most long pass attempts in the league, which is interesting. We have almost a 50% completion rate. So we're 15th. So we're not very good in that way too. We're only 17th in deep completions per 90, but 18.7 of all our passes were long. And that's the second most compared to 18.6. So that's about the same, but the PPDA, PPDA against is only 10th. So we're not facing even close to the level of pressure we were last year, but we've got the same percentage of long passes relative to the amount of passes we make. Now, I just think some of this doesn't make a lot of sense and we'll get to the goalkeepers in a second because I think this is part of it, but I don't know. What are you guys thoughts here? I mean, do we show better control at times we're making long passes, but do you feel like it's part of a tactic? It certainly doesn't feel like we're hoofing it out of pressure, right? I mean, do you guys agree with that? I mean, I, you know, I feel like
2: part of it is a byproduct of how other teams set up against us. I, I think that, you know, a lot of times our midfield, and obviously we've talked about it all se- season, like how talented Alex Iwobi has been, how he's literally been driving the team forward and on defense. Do we really have more quality on the wings? You know, our team is packing in in the midfield, pressing midfielders so that we have to go wide. And therefore we're looking, you know, for the long pass, long diagonal out of the back from the center backs that are so amazing at a long pass, right? You know, we didn't have Dominic Covert lewin either until recently, that's been a problem too. I think it's, it, in
1: in terms of PPDA, I think a lot of teams have just been able to freeze out our outlet to midfield. So we're not able to play the ball. You know, we saw shortly before the break, Bournemouth marked, like, James Garner out of the match very easily. He wasn't able to just drop and receive the ball off the center halves. and So even though they're not, like, pressuring the ball directly or necessarily trying to, like, pressure high... They're taking away our ability to move the ball forward through the lines, through our <laughs> midfield. And so as a result, you know we'll pass it around the back a little bit, try to open up those midfield options. And when they're not there, okay, we passed it around for two minutes. Now let's just launch it and hope that something good comes from it. But it is concerning that teams aren't pressuring us nearly as much. We're still huffing it long with very limited success still. that That's a major problem.
2: Obviously, it probably has to tell you that 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 means that Frank thinks whatever the alternative is,
0: is worse. Let that sink in. Uh, I think you're probably right. And but but you're right. I mean, the volume of passes can be long for different reasons. And if it's you're trying to get the ball wide or you're first to get the ball wide, that's what happens. And yeah, if I'm another team, I'm setting up that way, too. I'm not letting you play down the middle. I'll let Anthony Gordon and Damari Gray have the ball all day. I don't think they can hurt us that badly, you know, and I'm a little surprised they haven't pressured our, our center halves maybe as, as much as maybe they could. But I do think that speaks to our shape. Like, I think we're a little stretched out at times. And if you start pressuring that high up the pitch, you know, you're losing shape in theory in the back. So I think teams are a little more content to let us play around with it a little bit at times back there. But, okay, so be it. So, <laughs> I mean, long passes are bad. We get it. And we're still handing them the ball a bit. So nothing's really changed in that regard in terms of the effectiveness is it, of it despite it may be tactically different. So let's go on to our next point. Our next point was set pieces. So we thought this was going to be very different. We thought this was a good opportunity to improve from a tactical standpoint. Now we knew and recognized that there was an issue with having players to execute the set pieces and obviously bringing in someone like Dwight McNeil helps that. Um, but are we improved in set pieces? Cause I'm looking at the numbers here and, and we do look a lot better defensively, but the scoring has kind of gone away. The numbers kind of say that don't they?
1: Yeah, we, have only one set piece goal, according to who scored, and that puts us, there's only two teams worse than us, Um, but we've only conceded three from set pieces, so that's like the seventh best record, so defense has improved slightly, and that's great, but typically set pieces have been a decent source of offense for us, and that is just completely gone now.
2: It, it is nice not to feel like I have to clench every time we have to defend a set piece. I got to be honest, I feel 100%. way more confident than I have in like five years. So that's a positive to take here.
0: It is. And conversely, it's frustrating, though, when you look at it offensively. I mean, zero goals from corners, one of four teams, despite having the 13th most attempts, uh, which is interesting in corners and uh, no, no direct free kick shots. I get that. I mean, we haven't had many anyway, uh, but that really leaves us one goal from free kick passes. out of having the 11th most uh, 168 that's not a good not a good equation for sure um and i wonder if that's a little bit some of the logic bringing in someone like james garner eventually um because he does have a good right foot in that way and look i mean defensively i i think it's even better than that it's one thing to only give up you know three set piece goals that's impressive but we've conceded 113 corners i mean that's eight more than any other team guys I mean, that is a big number. We've only given up 159 free kick passes, which is 13th. That's not bad. Um, And only six free kick shots. Okay. I mean, only five have given up more, but, you know, we're tied with a bunch of people. That's just not a big volume metric. But I mean, I guess that makes sense. Look, we only have 20 headed shots in the entire team, um, which is 16th in the league. Tark's got 7 nine. Onana's got six. I mean, part of this just missing Dominic, Calvert, Lewin, Mina, right? It's not all service. Or what do you guys think? I
1: mean, no question. Those are the two biggest threats from set pieces, and they've been gone. Tarkowski we hope would have been maybe more threatening Michael Keane in the air. Yeah, True. Michael Keane. Yeah, and actually just back to the to the pressure thing. I mean, when Michael Keane was playing the most minutes of any center half in the team, it made more sense maybe to pressure. You've got Tarkowski and Cody, I think, collectively are a little bit better on the ball, but we definitely missed ECL's both both defending set pieces and um, offensively, and Yeri Mina just so big and su- su- such a threat, um, concerning because you'd think that the guys that we brought in would help in the air, but it doesn't seem like they're helping a great deal.
2: Yeah, but let's be honest, the service has been diabolical. Like, like it's been embarrassing for me to watch it sometimes, and it's been consistent too. It's just like nagging. You know what I mean? It, it's it's definitely both, and I agree with you. But it, you know, some of it's shameful.
0: I mean, how many times do we miss the first guy? or don't get a pass. The first guy, how many, we had a couple out of bounds again. Um, yeah, I, I, part of this may be routine a little bit. I I don't think that's it though, but I mean, kudos to, I I mean, I guess they put, um, what Cole is on set piece defense for sure. And he has shored that up. I mean, I see a little more innovation here too. You know what I mean? Something out of the training pitch would be fun. I I would like to see them mix it up a, a little bit for sure. um, to be
2: fair, I can think of like two instances in which Onana had like a really good look at it and he just mishit it in a header. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not, I, I would not say that we're not, you know, creating some chances, but
0: we're not creating much. Not I mean, the numbers are pretty. <laughs> and, and look, Onana's really tall and athletic, but he's not great at heading a ball. I'm sorry. He has had some set piece goals in his career, not many. He hasn't scored many goals at all in his career, but we seem to be pushing up higher. But that is for later part of the assessment how he's being used um so look one of the other obvious opportunities we thought in in terms of changing tactics was the pickford hoofball we thought stopping that would be great um so it's interesting uh we we have stopped it to a certain extent but not really relative to the league so okay first things first we look at launched passes from goalkeepers so last season 60 almost 70 percent of our passes were launched second in the league like that's a really high number to me this season it's way down it's 51 percent, but it's still second highest again interesting commentary on the league right i mean i I think that's very Burnley's gone i mean yeah that's a big part of it though for sure um and then you look at goal kicks launched so i like this stat because to me that's everything's fixed it's set you know it's your tactics whatever you want to deploy presumably the manager has more control over that you know this isn't a goalkeeper's tendency you're dealing with Last season we launched 80.5%, fourth highest. This season, 69.1%. It's lower, but it's the third highest. So again, it's not a good idea to keep launching these. And you know, to your point, James, before Tark and Cody are not that bad at playing with the ball. I just I think this really needs to change. Um and launch pass percentage, you know, in, in general. I mean, last season is twelfth best, and this season is ninth. So even though it's higher. So it's kind of like, okay, we're still doing it. You know what I mean? I, I don't relative the league. It's no better. Um, <laughs> I love how you dropped another Hollywood Wallace Hawkins uh, Twitter post.
1: Yeah, it was a good one. Uh, obviously following the U S England match last week, he said, honest to God, I'm just glad I got a chance to enjoy a Jordan Pickford hoofball for once instead of cursing at it. I think many uh, too American toffees uh, the
0: same I way. Mean, part of its personnel, right? I mean, I, look, look, I'm not in favor of doing this ever, but certainly you've got to play a little differently when you have Dominic Calvert-Lewin up to up versus the moped, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, but it's also, it's clearly a, a concerted strategy or a, it's not just Jordan Pickford deciding to hoof it every time. It's a directive. It's part of the game plan because today he had a 94% pass completion with England. Now that's against Wales, totally different team, totally different situation, but it illustrates the fact that, you know, he doesn't by nature necessarily want to hoof it all the time. Um, and so how do we move away from this into a more ball retention oriented strategy?
0: But
2: we saw in the team assessment
0: of the summer, it's not like Frank historically has done this. So what the heck?
2: So, so riddle me this, if you watch the USA Iran game today, how can you tell me that Jordan Pickford can't do what Matt Turner just did in regards to distribution and how can that not work for us?
0: Well, look, I, I think it's safe to say Jordan Pickford is a is a, is a better ball player and he can exactly. be a that's weapon at times. That's the meme. <laughs> I know he can be a better ball, but he can be a weapon at times. But yes, Alex, to your point, there's nothing that's really justifying that in my mind. And, and I, I think Frank deserves some flack here. I mean, I can't I, the the Onana one is the one that just drives me crazy because it seems like the more you make him a target, the more you throw out the entire shape of our midfield. Does it on throw-ins and stuff too and and i think we've seen the ramifications from that um i, I don't know i mean I, I i just think that we should move away from it it's a second amount playing for sure but I, we have seen a couple goals from it too so well that's the thing i mean
1: jordan pickford can distribute long very effectively but when it's your First, second, and third option, every time he has the ball, it kind of loses some of its effectiveness because teams can anticipate it. If you kind of lull him to sleep playing it short, distributing, retaining possession, then every now and then you look for Anthony Gordon in behind or Tamari Gray in behind. Well, then you've got something that might work every now and then, but when you're hoofing it up to, to Neil Mopai every time against
0: six fives center halves, well, that's a losing recipe. I mean, I think it needs a stop, period. That's just my take on it. I mean, at some point, he's going to have to have a conversation with with Pickford about it. It's not necessary to do it as much as he has. And and I feel like at times when he hasn't done it, we've played better as a result. That's my take. That's how I feel about it. I could be wrong, but um, I think that. At a very makes...
2: basic level. Right. More and...
0: control is better because right. it's better than
2: what we're doing now. <laughs>
0: And that's the thing. People sit there and complain about keeping the ball and passing for the sake of passing, that it's pointless and turn and go forward. Like I've said a million times, shut up. Like seriously, us keeping the ball does a couple different things. Number one, the other team can't score. And this just in our defense, we went over the numbers. It ain't good. Um, and if there's one thing I think our defenders do to, especially Cody's pass the ball. So it also allows you to get in shape to attack. I mean, part of our problem is we're not scoring goals because we can't get fullbacks up the pitch. So I I just, I hate that attitude. I think it stinks. Um, I will say this though, and to transition to another aspect of tactics, kind of how we closed last year was, we mentioned how Frank Lampard maybe wasn't the greatest guy to bring in in January in terms of what he was good at or what he's done so far in his career. But we were encouraged by the fact that he took a Derby team in a single year and transformed the way they played. I mean, he really did. They were very, I guess, what we call negative And he turned him into modern day, more possession based team. And, and I I think that's the real question I got to ask. You know, we had this summer granted. We didn't spend a ton of money, but do we see a big stylistic change? And, and I think the evidence I would look at is first, let's talk about defense. So you look at PPDA we had was 18th last year. It's 15th this year, challenge intensity, which is fouls, tackles, whatnot. 15th last year, 10th this year. Okay. Fouls 14th last year, 16th this year. So slightly more aggressive i mean do you guys feel like that's what's happening it's i feel like it's nothing dramatic though right well no as as evidenced
1: by the numbers i mean we've improved a little bit we're fouling less while pressuring slightly more so that in itself is good but it's not a it's it's by no means a dramatic shift like we would have seen with frank at darby county
0: well what about in possession then i mean when we look at it i mean passing rate 19th last year. I mean, it was, you know, hoofball city 14th this year. It's a little bit right possession. Last year we were, I like why scouts number two, because it doesn't just calculate. It actually does a real calculation of time in play rather than, you know, when a goal, they're sitting over a goal kick. Um, last year was 17th, 41.6%. This year it's 45.9. It's better, but notice it only jumped from 17th to 16th because we had fewer teams that are hoofball merchants this year. Missed controls last year. Third most per 90, almost 17 per 90. Jeez, this year, more than that. 17.2, second highest. Again, we're not controlling the ball well. We're giving it up. Uh, Bad touches, creating 50-50 balls, which isn't good. But dispossessions, last year, almost 8 per 90. 14th, that's not particularly high. This year, over uh, about the same. You know, 15th, seven nine seven three. 73, pardon me, per 90. I mean, that's not. Not high again, so we're not losing the ball. Like People aren't winning the ball from us, but we are making some bad touches, but we're not facing that much pressure. So, I mean, I don't know know who the culprits are.
2: They're Gordon and Gray. We've read these numbers every week for like three months
0: now. Those are the culprits in this situation. It's hard to argue with that, Alex, and I think that speaks to what we said before is people are pushing us out wide. Go ahead. You know, those are the guys that are getting the box and people are just dispossessing them at times, but it's not so much the dispossessions here. It's the miscontrols. So it's the long balls going out to them. The harder passes, they're having trouble absorbing them. That's when the pressure hits them. Um, But but look, okay, so so we don't see a massive style change, at least from when Frank took over. I mean, at times, I have to admit, I almost felt like I was watching a Benitez team, Um, but. I think it's fair to ask the question. So, okay, so is maybe Frank's style change at Darby not so much a byproduct of his tactics? Although I think he, he conscientiously is good at building out from the back a little bit, but was the biggest difference really just the, the personnel changes? I mean, he had Mason Mount on that team, DeMory at the time, and those were top talents, you know, in the championship, you can have, you know, more loans and whatnot. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, are you concerned about the fact that you don't maybe see as much of a stylistic change?
2: No, I mean, I think I think that it's been so piecemeal in regards to players that we've had healthy simply because of injuries. Players that we've brought in through the end of the window that came in, you know, as the season already started, they needed to ramp up, you know, they weren't playing or they were playing or, you know, this, that, and the other, fitting them in because of injuries. As James said, we missed, you know, our starting center back pairing now for the entire season thus far, except for, you know, a short cameo for Yeri Mina. So, you know, for me, I, I don't, you know, I I think that it very much comes down to the fact that maybe he hasn't had a sustained um, amount of time to really show it and do what he wants. But I also think that we have plenty of justified gripes as to how he's using players. And the question really becomes, you know, do we think, you know, based on that logic, do we think when he has all the players fit and available, maybe he could add some pieces in the summer, you know, can he get there? Do we feel confident that he can affect a big stylistic overhaul? And I I don't know that that's true, but
1: yeah, no, I think I think it's a, it's it's the question that needs to be asked, because if you don't believe that he can do that sort of conduct that sort of transformation long term, then what are we doing now? Because the results now aren't good enough. And in theory, you're kind of dealing with that temporarily for the long term benefit. And I think I, I just think he's still very much kind of an unknown commodity as a manager. He still has a very short history compared to a lot of other guys in the game. And perhaps the Darby County thing was a flash in the pan. Yeah, he got some very good quality players, especially down at the championship level. I mean, that helps a team tremendously. You have a player like Mason Mount. Yeah, you think probably helps with possession a little bit. Tamori as well, like playing out of the back. Guy's going to help you a ton. How is that ca- not on the England team, by the way? Crazy. Craziness. But. I think that's a big contributing factor. He brought in amazing talent. He hasn't been able to spend as much bringing that level of talent. And it was just one season. So and it's the
0: championship versus the Premier League as well. well, So that's also a huge difference. Okay, so our third area was to talk about recruitment. So I think it's fair to say that, I mean, it was remarkable that Frank could get top talents to come play for him at Derby. I mean, that's a that's a positive trait. You know, it's like we talk about the college basketball football coaches. You know, they may not be the best X's and O's guy. But if they can bring in real talent, that matters. And that matters even at the Premier League level. I mean, you got to be able to convince people that you can come in. And if and Frank is good at doing that. So oh, not our, name
2: dropped him. Players uh, right. that have come in have name dropped. And they've said, I want to learn specifically from Frank Lampard.
0: So let's talk about it. the third area we pointed out this summer where we could improve is recruitment. And it all works with the above. Like, can you bring in the players to address some of the issues above the stylistic things? and And we mentioned defensive mid because we really didn't have a legitimate six uh corner or pardon me, corner oh my god <laughs> that's not it for watching turkey day football right um center back uh right wing for sure and uh right back because i think patterson was still an unknown now this is before anyone leaving Um, So you take Richarlison out of the equation and now you need probably two attacking players out wide. Uh, We knew financial fair play was going to be tough because we had to sell Richarlison. We had to sell a big name. We knew we couldn't buy anyone until July, until the next fiscal year. So that hurt us time wise. I get it. But but let's look at the recruitment a little bit that we did do in the summer because we spent some money, not a ton. We'll get to that in a second. But I would say this: like Frank's gift seemed to be, or his reputation at Chelsea was that he was good at mentoring young players, and I think that was interesting because they couldn't do any business; Uh, they were under restrictions and whatnot. So he played and 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 did very well his first year in Chelsea, relatively speaking, and featured a lot of young players. So, so to me, I think some of the recruitment was focused that way. So I'll ask this question though: we did buy some players for the now. We used two loans. How many of the players we brought in, looking at the window, were immediate upgrades? versus buys for the future and i think this is really a, a, a an important conversation because if you're going to evaluate hey how are we doing relative to what we recommended to do in the summer which ultimately turns into a frank evaluation really in many ways which is well, it's headed i'm not surprised the conversation turned that way so to be fair was the recruitment good enough to expect a massive short-term improvement so that's why i asked the question all right how many of the guys that we got in were immediate upgrades versus buys for the future. Yeah, I think you, you start with Adrissa Ganege,
1: and we've needed that position. He so can't, pass can't pass forward. He can't pass <laughs> forward, no. He's, I mean, massive he's improvement. Right, Massive improvement, did. immediately. First, One of the first names on the team sheet. He's been great, but certainly, definitely a buy for the now and, and not one for the future. Um, other than that, I think, you know, there's a lot of guys who I think are maybe more forward-looking.
0: Well, well so, okay. So the guys that are for the now, Tarkowski and Cody are clearly for the now. Now Cody's on alone. Sure. Are they massive upgrades? Well, it depends on what you who you're comparing them to. If you're saying
2: that Godfrey and Mina were going to be your starting center backs, then yes, because they are much better than the
0: third center back that we would have had there. True, but in terms of are they an up? Knowing they're plugged in as starters this year, are they an upgrade? Well, compared to what Frank had to deal with last year, he didn't have great personnel at center back. Based on Godfrey's we- recent performances, then yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I Tarkowski think... in particular. I think yep. Cody um, has
1: has been solid enough, but I think Tarkowski, you know, given the his just durability as a factor too, just as consistent availability is is a factor. But I, I think as like a third or fourth option, Tarkowski is a decent bench option, but he doesn't necessarily immediately improve. Um, definitely not like our ability in possession. I mean, he came out same with Dwight McNeil. He like came out of a Burnley team that that's not going to be their strong suit. Um, Connor Cody maybe improves our ability in possession, but lacks quality as a straight up defender. So there's gives and there's takes, but I think in terms of depth at center half, I think we may be a little bit better off than last year. I mean Michael Keane I think was played the most minutes of any center half for us last year. So I yeah, both last of them are, year, are better than him. Last year it was
0: Keane and um Holgate and Ben Holgate. So, Well, uh, I mean, you know what though? I'll say this. Uh maybe Tark is an upgrade. Um I mean, I don't think any of them are anywhere near Yuri Mina. I think Ben Godfrey was really bad last year, although I think he does have some talent. I think in a three, he could be really good. Cody to me is not at all an upgrade. I I don't, not at all. Uh, We'll get to individual performances in a little bit, but I, I don't, Put it this way, though. I'm not going to point to those guys and say, Frank, you've got no excuses. You've got James Tarkowski and Connor Cody as your two center halves right. in the back four. I mean, I I, I don't think anyone in their right mind, well, maybe some people would. I don't think anyone in their right mind would be like, well, Frank, you have no excuse for not having good defense because those are your guys. In fact, I don't think, I mean, what pairing out there would you point to out in the Premier League that's much worse than those guys? I know that sounds harsh, but the Premier League has top <laughs> players, man. Guys have gone out and spent a lot of money on center halves there are guys out there they spent money on that aren't playing so i don't i don't think they're massive upgrades but they may have been a slight upgrade over he had last year um what about dwight mcneil i mean i think he's okay at right wing but i don't think anyone really envisioned him coming in and being this rock solid stud and our big losses were charlison does that that's a big net loss right no question about that um the moped Is the moped an upgrade over our backup striker options? Solomon Rondon, Jenk Tosin, he was still here technically. Um, Yes. I I think he is by a mile. Are we using him the right way? Maybe, maybe not. But I I also think some people are like, he's not premier league level or whatnot. I mean, these people are kind of ticking me off because um, it's the same championship level. Well, he's not because when he was in the championship, he was literally the best player in the championship. (laughs) I mean, pe- yeah. no, you right. laugh. I, I had people comparing him to like um, Everton was supposedly linked with uh, Jean Duran, who's um, a really interesting young talent at Chicago Fire. And they're like, well, if, if he's not an upgrade over Mopi, you know, he's there's no reason to bring him in. I'm like, dude, he has eight goals in MLS last year. He's like 19 years old. And and, and they're talking about, well, Tom Cannon could come in and do Mopay's job. Are you kidding? You know what Neil Mope was doing when Tom Can like Tom Cannon's what, like 20, 19? Yeah. I Mimopi mean, had been his 4th year of professional football. He was in League One at age 16. What are we talking about here, man? Have you guys ever seen like go back and just take a take a gander at his numbers in the championship? He's an absolute monster. They were insane. And honestly, his numbers at Brighton weren't that bad too. Look, we know he's not the greatest finisher, but his movement in the box, that is his gift. Getting on the end of balls. He's great in transition and and he's dangerous if you can do that, but if you can't sustain possession and get the ball wide, and then have any service at all. Well, yeah, he's not going to be the greatest. So I don't know what people expect, but he's a massive upgrade to me over Rondon and even jank who, I mean, I've been watching besiektis. It's, it's not pretty, but look, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was always the starter. And when he's off, I mean, right. it's a massive dropout, right? So, and a striker can only do as much as what's created for him. Um, so anyway, I, you know, moving on, cause I don't even want to pound that into the ground. It just irritates me that argument. um, Is Onana an upgrade over Decoray last year?
2: So, I mean, I think it depends on what role you're comparing them for. You know, like we've talked so much about what we think Onana should be versus what Frank does. We see Frank barely use Decoray at all, which is pretty perplexing. Um, I would say probably not, right? Like, I, I don't think he's an upgrade over Decoray. I mean, me personally, I would prefer to look at this as a question of, you know, is Onana and or are Onana and Garner? an upgrade over Ducore and Alon, you know, double the package in terms of the midfield, because some of them could have played both roles. And I would say, you know, pretty firmly, no, I would simply make the comment that, you know, if we're talking about defensively only, you know, Onana might be an upgrade, you know, to Alon, for example, he's not getting dribbled past three times a match like Alon was.
1: Yeah, I I think, well, if you package them together, I think it's an absolute no. But I also think, you're not talking about getting better immediately. You're talking about guys for the future. James Garner and Onana both right. fit it, that category. It's not an indictment True. of
0: the recruitment strategy from a longer term perspective. It's just right. more of we're evaluating Frank's performance now. That being said, if Frank were to go back and play in the midfield, actually, if you were to play a role in the midfield similar to what Belgium was doing, where Onana was kind of sidecar to Witzel, you know, and, and just focused on what I think he's very good at, which is keeping the ball breaking up play occasionally running forward with it if the opportunity presents um i mean to corey's a little sloppy with the ball his his gift is his ability to win loose balls and recover the ball and, and get up field his pace and his endurance um i mean i don't know if he's any better Onan is maybe a little bit better at most but it's not it's not a significant upgrade in the now right i mean and and that's kind right. of the point here so Agreed. You can't, again you can't point and say well I mean, Garner's a massive upgrade, but you can't point and say, well, Frank, I mean, we gave him all these players in the midfield. Eh. Um, and he's young, and Onan is young. I think we're encouraged by some of the things we saw in the World Cup so far, and that's good. Garner, to me, is just very young and and very incomplete as a player and has a long way to go. He's nowhere near the player that Alon was. I said that I know it's a big wage, I guess, but I think Alon could have really helped. Um, but we did have numbers in there. I get it. Uh, now, let's not forget, Deli Ali was moved out. Right decision, in my opinion. We're not going to pay that guy $10 million. And we're not going to sit there and pay you know his full wage if we can't. Right. But we did move him out. And he was at least an option to play in as an attacking role, either wide or whatnot. So that is taking away a weapon, whatever you think of him. Um, is Vinagre an upgrade over Niels and Kunku? Yeah. I mean, I think pretty clearly, yes. Has it matters?
1: Got the pace, but it hasn't right, it hasn't really mattered. Neither have seen it. Niels barely saw the, Didn't see the pitch at all other than, like, odd cameo here and there and Vinagre hasn't really seen much of the pitchy. 26 so we're minutes, minutes in the options. 26 yeah. minutes in the league though should he use him more that's I think a, a fair question to ask especially if you're talking about trying to get
0: guys forward but well um, and, and I'll and then I'll ask the other question it's kind of like is Patterson Mika over a full year great upgrade over what we had before you know a year younger of a Seamus Coleman perhaps Ben Godfrey and Luca Dean uh, for half a year I mean because we're looking at full year stats I mean I just I just I don't think so, but okay. If the next year they've gotten better, that might be a slight improvement over what Frank had to deal with. But so looking back on this, I mean, do we see so many, I mean, how many of these guys, I mean, we got Ghana, maybe Tark, big downgrade on the wings with Richie gone, maybe a slight upgrade a little bit over the midfield, lost another attacking option, got a little more depth at left back. Cool. Maybe Patterson shown some signs, compared to the rest of the league that's spending big money. We'll get into the numbers in a second. So, I mean, you wouldn't say collectively that we've made big. It's been more buys for the future, I think. A lot of our money was spent on that rather than massive upgrades in the now. Would you not agree with that?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much how it went down. And I mean, that's good, right? Like that's something that we've been wanting as a fan base as a whole. I mean, just as a general sentiment, right? You know, general strategy. We know we've needed to get younger. We know it's had to happen. I mean, what better timing than when you're fighting off relegation? I guess when you've got to move <laughs> well, players on, when your wage structure was busted for years, and when you have nowhere else
0: to turn. Well, but um, the problem is now there's immediate pressure to play well, and and and, right. I, and I think maybe there was a balance there that perhaps we we could have achieved. Incoming yeah, Ghana. I think we're I think we're very clearly a, a deeper team, like more depth options. But I think the
1: first eleven is probably a downgrade slightly, just purely like on the loss for Charleston, um, alone, how important he was to us. Um, you know, Dwight McNeil doesn't quite cut it. And then the midfield options again, we're looking with a more forward-looking view. Uh it makes sense for the long term, but I think you downgrade slightly there. So that that's a bit of a problem for this
0: season. Yeah, no, and the big spending was Onana, uh, Garner, McNeil, Mope. I think in, in every inst in McNeil and Mope's instance, I think the price you got for them relative to the market and Mopey's actual price is lower than the advertised price, by the way. But uh, it, it was good. I actually think Mope's a good player. I mean, his numbers are good. He's had you know, 8 to 10 goals every year in his three years. He's been in the league with minimal chances. He's been fine. He's not a great finisher, but he creates a lot. I mean, look, we didn't spend a lot this summer, too. So that really gets down to the bottom of it. I mean, 13th highest gross spend in the league and 15th highest net, according to transfer market. And I think it actually was a little lower than that. I mean, compare that with the other relegation candidates or the teams we are really going after here. I mean, who are we really comparing to? Like Southampton, 12th and 8th, gross and net. Wolves, 7th and ninth. Fulham spent a ton, we know. Uh, and they didn't start with the greatest team, but they brought a l- bunch of guys back. Leeds was in the running. They're 10th and gross. You know, they sold a lot. They did, but they spent a lot too. Um, Four spent a ton. Uh, Brentford was 10th and net. You know, I mean, th- these are... They spent more. These teams have spent more than us, even in a single year palace, 12th net. You know, so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, so I, I will say this. It's one thing to turn over a roster, right? It's another thing to build with youth. But the one thing I look at is, did we miss an opportunity with Gordon? Because I, I, I feel like if we'd have sold Gordon, and I think it's begs to ask this question too: one of the reasons why we bought some of these guys is the cash structure of the deal. And financial fair play, I don't think is as much of an issue. So to me, I think it might be more of a stadium issue. We still don't have stadium financing, and that's what really concerns me going into January, honestly, in terms of buying players. But if you sell Gordon, God, you could have gotten two players. I mean, still relatively young talent. Like, say you bring in a Gakpo and a Kudis. what does this team look like? I mean, it's I, well, and just so the like, thought of that makes me really sad. I know, so. but are we are we are we maybe not? Are we going too far on the? spending on potential rather than getting a good young player that can help immediately now more. So, I mean, do we have the balance, right? Or is it just, I I, I don't know. The good part is one good thing is though you look at the spending is we didn't go crazy and overspend on an individual player. Like we didn't throw out 40 million on Chuck Weezy at at Villarreal, like it was rumored to do it. So, so we do have two loans left. So, I mean, do we have the balance, right? I mean, certainly we took some risk this summer, maybe not risk like Southampton, which is bottled like 18 and 20 year olds. And we kind of knew there would be a risk. Um, and so if you look at kind of the immediate upgrades, there weren't that many. We asked this question, and I think this is a good one, a poll um, from the American Toffee Podcast account. We had over 300 votes. Which team has the better talent? It's a little loaded because it's not the immediate talent. It's talent in general. Everton, Palace, Brentford, Fulham. The winner, Crystal Palace, 47%. Everton at 29 Brentford at 15 Fulham at 9 Now. That didn't mean that people didn't think Brentford had more talent than Everton, but it is what it is. I mean, when you look at the recruitment, did we really address all those positions to an extent? We did, but did we have a massive immediate upgrade? And is it fair to say that cut Frank a little bit of a break? A lot of teams upgraded more significantly in the now than we did. Is that a fair thing to kind of throw back at Frank or, hey, we got enough talent in here. We should be playing better.
2: Yeah, I I think it's both, right? I think uh, it definitely comes down to how you've got it laid out in regards to spending, in regards to who is or is not an immediate upgrade. We've kind of talked about the approach, how it's more pragmatic, how we've obviously got a strategy for the future and hopefully some for the now. Obviously all these pieces take time to gel. Um, You know, another big point is just how we've, how he's been using the players and, and how some of them just don't have clearly defined roles week to week. And, You know, some of them have played four different, you know, essentially roles in the team. Um, All of those things can be true. And, And, you know, I think I think I would pose the question to you all, you know, what do we think the board expects or should expect from Frank this season based on that summer window, based on how it plays out, the money we spent, the players we brought in, based on the performances we've seen from the players brought in. Do we think that, you know, the board expects him to finish mid-table? Do we think that the board expects him, you know, because we, we we don't really hear rumors of there being a lot of pressure. You know, we talked about it on a previous episode a couple weeks ago. It's kind of interesting. There's not really a whole lot of pressure on Frank Lampard. or It doesn't seem like there is internally like there have been for other teams. Um, I'm interested in what you guys think. Well, I think if you look at the...
1: I, I mean, everyone at Everton has... All, access to all the info we just presented and more. And I don't think, <laughs> I think they're all, you know, Kevin Thelwell and company are all acutely aware of, I think the process and the decision-making process that led to us making the moves that we did and the moves that we didn't make, like selling Anthony Gordon. And so I think face value, expecting a dramatic improvement to the team year over year would be a bit naive from people, especially when you look at, as Ryan pointed out what other clubs in the Premier league have done, which is spend a boatload of cash and recruit pretty effectively and efficiently. So I, I don't think the, I don't think Frank Lampard is going to get sacked if he, you know, doesn't get us to mid table. I think that's a kind of a pipe dream. Um, I think that's our ceiling really this season is, is mid table at best. I think if we're really in the thick of the relegation fight and it starts to get a little uncomfortable, I don't think we want to be in a position where we've got you know two or three games to go and we have to win two of those three to secure our position in the league. Um, but yeah. how long do you let this go? I, I don't know. It's a, it's a really tough question, and because the disruption of a new manager, you know, you might get the new manager bounce, but that could wear off very quickly. It it really comes down to how good a manager do they think this guy is in this well, position hey, that he's never really dealt with before. Besides, Ryan, last Ryan
2: made the point. Ryan made the point before that. Lampard is not Thelwell's guy.
0: Yeah, he's not. Um, look, the numbers are what they are. Whether we spent a lot or not, or whether we had significant upgrades, we did have turnover. So you did have some new players coming in, and that should mean that, okay, maybe you're not as good, but your style of play should still adjust somewhat. Because in theory, so put it this way, if you're going to loan someone in, or you're going to buy a 29-year-old for on a free I assume that's going to fit with what the manager wants. You know what I mean? That's not a long-term vision alignment type thing. That's not an overarching aspirational football identity type purchase. So I think it's fair to criticize Frank a little bit to say that, hey, okay, you did bring in some players. Now, maybe they're not amazing, but, you know, there's some wages and and okay, maybe you should be getting a little better performance out of these guys. And look, we've said it. I mean, Pickford's really carried us, and the defense have been very fortunate. The underlying performance numbers are even worse. It wasn't like last year. So, But I do think it's a little bit talent. I mean, we asked that question. It was a fair question. There was a lot of dialogue after that, too, I had with a lot of people, people that really know football, too. People that work in the industry, too, were answering on Twitter, which is interesting to see. And, I mean, guys that said, I don't think Everton's is any better Aside than Brentford or Palace, maybe Fulham. And if that's the case, then okay, that's the, then. Then if you don't have considerably more talent than all these other potential rele- relegation candidates, do you have a better manager? Is Frank Lampard a better manager than Thomas Frank? Now, now, Thomas Frank's been there for a while, and you're buying for his system. Is he a better manager than Patrick Vieira? I mean, we just beat Palace. I, I, I don't know. Um, we still have a window coming up, so that's not a sunk thought. But um, I, I think that look put it this way in against what we suggested were the thing the way we need to improve i think he's playing mostly the right players maybe the setup's not right in the midfield but i think for the most part he's and he's limited by that alex you continue to make that point and it's the right one that the injuries are there there's only so much you can do but i do think we'd like to see some some improvements from a tactical approach i think it's hard to deny that that some of that's on frank some of it i mean some of the players are limited i get it and the third the recruitment itself is not really his fault i mean But as except for in as far as it is to becoming and establishing a style of play that he's more comfortable with doing. Now, when he talks, he talks very positively and I don't blame him for talking like that. But he I mean, what he's saying, his words are, is that he feels like we're better. The numbers don't really speak to that. So I kind of want to wrap it up a little bit with to say, all right, ultimately, you know, how are we doing against what we think that where we should be in general? And Alice, you asked that question. And James, I mean, you, you talked a lot about expectations, but let's ignore the board's expectations right now. Are we meeting your expectations? Did you expect us to be in a relegation battle this whole time? And how do you feel like it's going to be the rest, of, the rest of the way? I think I
1: I was in a position where I kind of viewed last season as the worst, one of the, I guess, potentially the worst case scenario for Everton in that it was kind of a one-off and that we'd be able to bounce back. But it seems like the, that is not the case, I guess. Based on the evidence we have, <laughs> eloquently <so> far, put, <laughs> it just seems like we're in the thick of it yet again. Um, unless something dramatically changes, we didn't improve dramatically. We didn't um, spend a lot of money. I do think there's options. Um, and we'll talk about in a later episode about the recruitment potential and what what new players Frank can bring in. First and foremost, have to be healthy. Doesn't seem like you know you're no, in, you mean know, that. No, we just can't see- count on that because it's been four <laughs> seasons now of that we just can't stay healthy.
0: So do you expect us, based on where we're at right now, to the continue? I mean, we'll get into recruitment, ignoring recruitment. Sure, okay. Alex, no. what do you think? I mean, do you think that, I mean, expectation-wise, would you expect with the talent and this manager that we should be in a relegation battle all season? No.
2: No, I don't. You know, yeah, I, I've actually I agree. I've actually got a Guinness riding on 15th and above, um, so I will never say
0: No. So you feel like it should be comfortable based on what he's doing right now. So you would say we're underperforming. Certainly the below metrics indicate we're pretty bad.
2: I will will reserve full judgment until we see a team that is mostly healthy back for at least a couple weeks. I want to see him actually have to make the decisions on personnel. I want to see how... He decides to to use the personnel throughout the rest of the season. As you mentioned, you know, last cheekily last episode, you know, maybe
0: he looks at the Onano match. Yeah, see, you know? see, now you're getting to my my referendum on Frank Lampard. I don't mean it to be that way, but it's the good question, right? It's hard to it's hard to make that full referendum on the guy until you see he's got all the personnel to select. Now it's on him. What does he choose? How does he how does he set up the team? Whatnot. So the excuses are running out. The time is now,
2: Frank. James feel yeah, the same? A hundred percent. it 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 just has to be better it just has not been good
1: enough it has to be better there's there's very limited excuses at
0: this point. so look to summarize the episode here at least part one of the team assessment we feel like we haven't really achieved as much maybe against what we were hoping we were relative to the summer i think that's true i think he's playing some of the right players based on limitations the jury's still out that's fair so in parts part two a and b we're going to do a little bit of a breakdown in the next upcoming episodes we're going to talk about What's the current problem now? And is it those same problems? We'll break down the defense. We'll break down the offense. And then in part three, we'll wrap this lovely thing up, getting into recruitment, whole lot of names, whole lot of numbers. Who's out there for Everton football club. We'll go through the rumor mill, all of it, but I'm looking forward to the next episode, breaking down the defense and the offense to really say, is it the same stuff? Is it something else? Um, we will get there. We hope our listeners enjoyed some of the diatribe today. Any final thoughts, gentlemen?
1: No, I think that's a that's a great spot to end it. And we appreciate everyone who listened. Hope you'll stay tuned for the upcoming episodes. We are looking forward to it as well. Appreciate you all. Just a one last reminder. If you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Please give us a follow on social media, Twitter at USA Toffee Pod. Facebook and Instagram as well. And join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. Appreciate you all. And until next time up the U S men's national team and up the toffees.